We do have to talk Stuff to an invisible happens. audience, which is a little <laughs> weird. <laughs> It'd be like, so ladies and gentlemen, we have our first guest. Yeah, should we? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Podcast, uh, Quinn Kinsey White, our dear bud. Cheers. Um, thanks for being our first guest. Yeah, thank awesome. you. Um, so we know Quinn through wine stuff, obviously. He used to work at Ordinaire, has been at Domain LA and uh, Barbandini, and is now opening his own shop here in Los Angeles with uh, Chef Zach Jarrett called Psychic Wines, and we're very excited. Shouts out to Zach. Shouts to Zach. Um, so yeah, Quinn, thanks for coming. Also, this wine isn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. No, 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 no. I never said bad. <laughs> you never said it was going to be bad. Extreme. It's not. It's really, really mellow. So Quinn brought us a bottle. Tell us about it. And our friend Josh is going to kill me for this because it's like it's part of his uh, cellar that he has accumulating. Oh. Oh, are, are you are you pilfering <laughs> his cellar? <laughs> yeah. So you're actually uh, it's you're kind of a t- it's kind of a tax because I have a very small apartment and he has a lot of wine there. Yeah. But Ah, so actually you were stirring this shit on this podcast with your partner, basically. Yeah, off to (laughs) a good start, stirring the shit. Um, Yeah, this is a wine from uh, Philippe Jambon, who's one of the more kind of creative thinkers in in the Beaujolais. Um, Really distinctive style of winemaking. Um, He he does really, really long élevage gamay and a little bit of Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, And he kind of plays with, volatility VA and likes to sort of embrace it and likes to use it as sort of a uh, stabilizer in, in like really lengthy barrel aging. Um, so I mean this is this is a 2006 vintage Ganive, uh, which was which was the parcel that the fruit came from. Um, it probably spent at least four years in barrel before it was released. Um, it's still pretty it's lively and fresh. It's really so much energy yeah. Dude, it's gnarly because it's a 2006. Yeah, I, my my first experience was with the Tranche wines of his, which yeah, I think are uh, a negoti- Are they negotiant the Tranche? Exactly. So in order to, I mean, he 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 releases wines, you know, once every like, like his his own wine. Yeah. Once every like three or four years or something. So it's really not very lucrative for him. Um, he's probably a huge capitalist, right? He's just <laughs> like <laughs> no, that's no. But he's got you know he's got kids to feed and stuff, so. In order to sort of um, subsidize his his own winemaking projects, um, he does a little bit of or a fair amount of nego stuff where yeah. he establishes relationships with younger growers throughout the Beaujolais and gives them some guidance. And then um, he has this line of, of tranche or slice slice of jambon, um, slice of ham. Yeah, jambon's his last name. French um, and their puns, they love them. They love them. Time. It's also especially a good in the natural too. wine yeah. world. And just uh, for some of our listeners that maybe are newer to natural wine, or not even natural wine, but wine in general, uh, Negociant is someone that buys grapes from other places and vineyards and then makes wine out of it. it it's yeah, interesting. It's I feel like in California, where there's it, it, I mean, a considerable and considerable amount of wine is Negociant, but it's not 
talked about as openly and as freely I as think in France? It, well, I think it's because um, it goes back to the whole property problem in California. I think that winemakers don't really want to admit that they're having to buy grapes from other people. Yeah, why? It's just like a weird pride thing. Maybe because they're buying garbage grapes. Hopefully, they're not buying garbage grapes because we're drinking a lot of their wines. No, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm talking when I'm, I'm talking even bigger wineries. I'm not talking about the smaller guys. I even the I smaller guys are a little bit more open about it. I'm talking about like people who are buying name brand wines at grocery stores or at restaurants don't realize that like nine times out of ten, I'm assuming not a lot of those people are using. That's why like they'll explicitly label a state grown yeah. Yeah, because everything else isn't, right? But I mean, in a lot of ways, you could say that like Evan Lewandowski is a uh, negociant, you know, or like yeah, someone but he's like o- that. Yeah, he's like but open and honest about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're open and honest about it, but they don't use that term for, them, for themselves. I, I don't know. It's a weird thing. That is a good point. You really hear the word negociant, but I think it's a French word. Is 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 there is there is there like a more sort of current like California equivalent? No, I think often? that they just call themselves winemakers. Yeah, because I think that well, they want to be it's wa- implied. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe for them at this point it is kind of implied because it's like you know to be to be a younger winemaker in California more often than not is is to be a negociant. You yeah, have, there's, you there's have no to other way. No, there's no other way to do it unless you marry in or something or you're like a mega a rich. Yeah. Come on. It's just delicious. It goes down. No? Yeah, it's yeah. Ta- it's tasty. Um, dude, the color on it's bananas though. Because you, if if I saw it, I would kind of maybe think that it was oxidized. Yeah, a little. It's bit. a little. It it's a, it's, it's got a. It's got a kind of funky color and on it. And the flavor, it's got a little bit of like a fruit leather, like a little bit of like a. It does, but it's really good and yeah. and still really lively. And I mean, it looks like old wine. Yeah. It looks it like old wine. wine. And he's sans souf, one hundred percent. Or does he add a little? No, he's he's extreme. He's a, he's he's pretty extreme. He's, yeah, he's very so dogmatic when it comes to sulfur additions. So this is a twelve-year-old wine that has no sulfur in it. That's still tasting super great, fresh and alive. Definitely. So fuck y'all that say <laughs> natural wine that you can't age it because well, that's some a people, lie. I, well, I, I I think I think some people get a little, you know, sort of like the early waves of of the natural wine movement were heavily associated with this, Vin de Soif, right? Yeah. Which are these like young. Kind of bright, fruity, fresher wines. As and we I say, glue, glue. Yeah, uh, exactly. A yeah. word that is, or two words, I guess, a phrase that has. A phrase that is popular that you may hear has been out of my own damn it's mouth. So tra- Yeah, <laughs> I, it's funny. I'll be like, uh, people are always saying glue, glue, and then I'll talk to somebody like, I love glue, glue wine. Like <laughs> I use it myself. I, I still love. I complain about the appropriation and then I appropriate it. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I use it sometimes too, but I agree, it's a little spent. It's a little um, spent, but so is like the word natty, but I still find myself saying natty. It's kind of a fun one, though. Yeah. That's a, it's all fun. Okay, so anyways. It's all we, fun. As we were saying, talking about Vinisoff. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think, um, but I just think a lot of people began to sort of too heavily associate natural wine with wines of that style. Whereas, sorry. Right. Whereas there. Like this way, so that yeah, way or just like tilt it. I can't believe I'm becoming like a We're potter, or I'm like, sorry, sir, you have to speak into the mic. No, it's good. man, you gotta keep it clean. Yeah, yeah. 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 gotta keep this shit clean. Um, just like good wine. You were saying about uh, uh, Van de Swaff and then people making more serious, like, not serious, because I, I don't want to dismiss Van de Swaff as not being serious, but more age worthy wines or, or the, right. the style of winemaking. Right. So because of. Because of you know, early on, the the association the association being so heavily with these these like lighter, fresher, younger wines. Yeah, I think a lot of people um, sort of neglected the fact that there there are a lot of producers out there who make like you know Van de Garde or like really sort of age worthy natural wines and have been for 
for decades. Yeah. You know? like I also think that people um, tend to discredit, like, for example, like the tannic qualities of wines that allow them to be ageable. Like, you know, you can age a natural Moulin Avant, for example, without any sulfur because it has the most tannin of like all of the Beaujolais crews. Totally. There's a little know? more, a little more material. Yeah. Also, like you see producers who make, um, like really age worthy, uh, orange wines. Yeah. You Absolutely. know, like Grovner and Radicon and stuff like that. Those are, those are those wines are made without sulfur and and they're able to kind of stabilize them by just doing these really really lengthy macerations. Yeah. Um, well, we were talking. But then, I mean, for instance, there, sorry, sorry. To no, 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 no. Go. We're the, we're all learning how to we're all, we're we're all, all learning, learning how to pod. Anyways, all right. So backing up. I guess we were just we were talking about uh, sort of ageable, like what makes natural wines ageable. Yeah, and 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 ways in which you can you know, guard the wine over time naturally. Yeah. So, and I like think a lot of people have, sorry, uh, uh, a preconceived notion, like you said, with the Von, de, uh, with the, uh, like Von de Swap stuff, but like a lot of people think that natural wine also is synonymous. Some people say it's synonymous with orange wines and then they say it's synonymous with carbonic wines, right? That if it's natural wine, it's whole cluster, it's carbonic. Yeah. Or they, th and that also has a legacy Lies. of not being, Age worthy, right? Beaujolais Nouveau Fake is like news. considered the <laughs> least age worthy wine, and yeah. so a lot of the old guard, if you say carbonic, automatically in their brain they're like, drink young, drink fresh, don't age, don't think about for the future. Well, Which there are some people that even in the natural wine community are very anti carbonic. Well, so. carbonic kind of, I feel like it's a. So for our listeners that have no idea what we're talking about, when we say carbonic, we're talking about carbonic maceration, which is a um, type of fermentation where basically you take the whole clusters of grapes, you put it in a tank, seal it, pump it full of CO2, and then the grapes start to ferment inside themselves, and then they crush themselves under their own weight, and it kind of creates this singular um, fruit-forward flavor profile that also has like a really poppy texture, and it's delicious, and it's what made Beaujolais um, extremely popular, and Carbonic can be great, but some people are very anti-carbonic, yeah. and not all natural wine is carbonic, nor is it orange, because yeah, there's a lot of skin contact natural <laughs> wines, but, you know, and some of them are colored orange. I fucking hate that shit so much. Orange wine? Hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I it's, hate it. It's fashionability at the moment. No, I hate that people call it orange wine. She wants oh, oh many versus hues. skin contact. Yeah, or, ma yeah. or macerated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, no one knows. Ma I, I, I was maybe going with macerated on this campaign against calling it orange wine, but most consumers don't know what. Macerated when, when you worked so at, oh, sorry, go ahead. So, so you went with skin contact. Yeah, I talked to like I talked to some importers and like winemakers and shop owners and i was like all right i'm gonna write this piece about how i don't want people calling it orange wine anymore because i think that it is um i think that it is misleading for a lot of consumers or it you know and it also um creates a very narrow view of what that category is um whereas like we know that rosé has like tons of shades or red has tons of shades whites has tons of shades because there's more information and more knowledge in like the consciousness consciousness of uh, those things, but with orange wine, people think that it just has to be orange, whereas like skin contact wines are uh, an entire category that is like very broad and has so many different, you know, many different shades. Yeah, many different, a whole spectrum of flavor and colors. Yeah. So I asked a lot of people, I was like, hey, what do we think about going with skin contact? They were like, I think that that's the best because it's like the easiest for like a regular consumer to remember. 
Yeah, it's visual. It's very yeah. literal. It's, well, it's a little the, sexy. Kind of sexy. It, Italians yeah. use Ramato, but I don't know. Does it have a definition? I don't Clamato? know. Ramato? Ramato, right? Ramato. M-R-A-M-A-N-T-L. Ramato. Yeah, I don't know what the direct translation know. is. But So they have a... Sp- I don't know. Anyway, the, um, I did really poorly. I apologize. You did great. <laughs> I was going to say my... So after the tranche wines, my experience was... The Deese. Wait, go back. We're back to the we're back is to heavy. the jambon. The jambon, yeah. So my jambon. I, I was working uh, at a restaurant. Two thousand goddamn six. It's a twelve year old wine, natural, no sulfur. We're drinking right now. Yeah, the oh label yeah. has held up worse than the bottle, the, yeah. the liquid inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that wine was that wine was that was like a that was a. a a uh, 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 revelatory wine. Totally. Like this is legendary. It was it, right. One he made one barrel of wine. Is that the correct story, or very little wine? He essentially just uh, he had a really really terrible vintage. Yeah. It was, uh, he he lost a lot of fruit to hail. I think it was. Um. So he essentially just kind of like scavenged all his vineyards for whatever fruit was salvageable, and then threw it all into one wine. And Dies is in reference to the vintage. It was 2010 vintage. Yeah. Well, oh. I thought it was like in reference to like it's Dees. <laughs> <It's decent. laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was gonna do the shrug emoji. Yeah, thing he, yeah, and then he was like, eh. yeah. And you he couldn't you figure were... out how to do like that sideways smile. Yeah, I was pouring it on the tasting menu yeah, at Twamek. At Twamek, pretty ballsy, you. man. Yeah. How did that go over? You know what? I, when people are like buy into an experience, and you speak with enough confidence, people. I never. I very rarely had anybody question it because that's amazing. how Kanye's lived Great. his entire life up until about two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, but it's <laughs> true though. Like you sit down, like if people you speak with confidence. <laughs> people will buy into the experience. <laughs> no, but like people are buying tickets online I'm and kidding, doing all this I'm stuff kidding, yeah. and waiting and bow and they sit down with the fu- you know what are they going to say like? They oh, might say yeah, natural wine sucks. Like your <laughs> <laughs> says on your sweatshirt, but what are they going to say? But the wine also like. I think one benefit to food and wine pairing and like making people sit down and have an experience like that is that you can sort of broaden people. You can give them a pairing where maybe an extreme wine or an extreme food can be balanced by each other. Yeah. And so you can have those flavors play well with each other where they're drinking something so extreme that they didn't realize. Into Like if you drank a glass of it on its own, you would be like, oh, this is fucking extreme. But together in the pairing it makes sense and then they walk away and they've they've had their experience they yeah paid for a lot of money for but worth it at the time i mean we were pouring i'm sure probably worth it now but it was you know i made sure that people got their money's worth when they were drinking for sure by the end were you were you trying to push the envelope a little bit yeah we ended up doing two i'd say the last six to eight months that i was there i had two separate pairings because i didn't you know when people are spending so much money I had to make sure. So we had something called the classic pairing, yeah. which I was pouring wines from classic. Opus one only. Uh, <laughs> we were 100% French. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry. So uh, I forgot we were talking I'm about. Like a, yeah, like <laughs> second label Bordeaux. No, it was so it was like Burgundy, Bordeaux, classic Loire. Ale. Opus one. Yeah, <laughs> Opus one. And then I had another one that was called like the new school or, or, or new France or something. And that was 100% natural. So... I, and a lot of times, what would happen inevitably is people would mix and match. So if it was like two people, they'd do one of each, and then they would taste each other's, which is fun and cool. And you have these people yeah, yeah. who are like, 
oh, I want to drink champagne, Bordeaux, and Burgundy. And then they're sitting there and they're drinking these as well. And uh, yeah, it's a, like I said, it's a fun because you get to sort of force people to have an experience. For sure. They're along for the ride. Yeah. Cool. And speaking about experiences and with wine, um, so with Psychic Wines, yeah, your new project here in Los Angeles, I think um, most of us in the natural wine world are really, really excited about. Um, what's the experience that you're hoping to give consumers there? I'm hoping to um, offer kind of a... Uh, man, I've never had to verbalize I know, I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. It's great. It's, ma- it's amazing. It's awesome. Um, no, sort of like a, um, a completist catalog of our of our favorite producers completist not elitist completist like <laughs> like meaning you're like it's complete and it's elite and you're not fucking allowed marissa no 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 elite <laughs> elite is not the vibe no i'm teasing i know it's not it, that's definitely not your vibe that's why i'm actually very very excited about it opening yeah no i mean it's it's for everybody but um completist meaning really making it clear that we are uh supporting and representing producers and not, and not wines so i think that's extremely important yeah so from each producer we choose to carry it's it's not so much about curating like um different wines throughout the shop it's about curating different producers and carrying as many wines from each producer as we can put on the shelf because i think like in music for instance I mean, people consume music in so many different ways, but I've always been, like, really into, like, um, the completeness of a discography. And, like, when I, f- when, I f- when I find out that, when I discover an artist and I find out that they, they had a really kind of prolific career and had, a, you know, made a it's lot so of music, exciting. it's really exciting because you have this entire world that you can explore, right? And they go through, like, many different versions, like Dylan going from acoustic to electric as an example, right? Like, you totally. have all these... Yeah, different, yeah. different uh, variations expressions, and yeah. expressions, yeah. And then you can, and then you can look at, you can look at all these different records and see how they relate to one another. Yeah, um, I think that's so cool because I don't think that there's another shop that's doing that. I've never, like, I don't think I've ever seen a shop that like focuses on that. And I think it also taps into kind of like the allure of like a vertical tasting, you know, of like that sort of thing where it's like you get to, I mean, vertical, I guess, is more vintage related, but you know, like getting to taste everything from someone's catalog yeah, is what, really what, what yeah. Mo- Most I shops sort of uh, differentiate either by region or variety and then sometimes by f- flavor profile. Yeah. I just feel like most shops I just have bottles that they like. Yeah. You know? Oh no, I, think, I mean, I think a lot of people also, uh, you know, I'm not really interested in buying wines based on, like, you know, what 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 is the cheapest or what will be the easiest to sell or, like, what is the most sort of on trend at the moment i like i think i don't know it was something we experimented with at ordinaire for for a stretch of time yeah and it's just like i don't know to offer people that kind of breadth and i think we have a lot of like i think we're at a point right now in in natural wine where we have a lot of like really really enthusiastic consumers and i just want to be able to provide people with the opportunity to to like really scratch that itch and like really explore and really get familiar with different producers like it's it's about it's about uh, you know a complete identity more than it is like one wine 
Yeah. You know? I think it's also, I think it's really interesting and awesome because for me, like, I, you know, I work for Bon Appetit magazine, but if you were to ask me, like, who I believe I actually work for, like, I first and foremost believe that I work for the winemakers, like, the producers that I love and, like, making sure that I'm putting forth, you know, um, great people that are doing great work. And I think that sometimes that is lost in just, like, drinking culture, you know, where it's, like, you're not really thinking about, like, who's making um, the wine or whatever. And um, so I think that that's great because it gives it it also points the consumer in, in, in a new um, consciousness and thought of like how to think about the wines that they're consuming and, um, and how to explore them. It's really cool. I like it. Yeah, I'm excited. And I mean, in addition to that, I also want to have a part of the shop that is filled with wines that are really accessibly priced because... Well, I that's getting harder is, and harder. Well, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, moving forward, I, th- I think it's one of the challenges we kind of face in natural wine is... Um, accessibility because people you know, like me are ruining it. <laughs> I mean, out there promoting it and ruining everyone's allocations. Um, I was gonna say that I think that also like there's an elitist like with not just with the price point in wine, but like an elitist aspect. Like, how did beer do so well? I don't understand how beer managed because I, I maybe it started with a lowbrow image. So now like yeah, it was reverse order. You know, it was, yeah. it was like it's always been the popular, and at least in the United States, it's always been like the the populist. Yeah. Beverage. Well, also, too, I think that there's something about, like, it's really, it's sort of like, in in my book, um, I talk about, like, how people are very, very willing to spend, like, all this money on tapas, like, $10 tapas. You know, they'll buy, like, the entire menu, and if they don't eat it all, if they don't love it, it's not a big deal because there's so many options. I feel that beer is sort of the same. Like, it's very easy for someone to be like, oh, I'll spend $8 on a can of beer, and if I don't love it, whatever. But it's like, oh, if I have to spend $30 on a natural wine and I don't love it, there's um, a much greater sense of like gambling and loss, you know, like it's, that, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not as, I can um, play $5 blackjack all night and lose hundreds of dollars. <laughs> I can lose hundreds of dollars on one bet at blackjack and that sucks. Yeah. 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 Exactly. How, how am I going to buy cocaine afterwards? I lost all my money. <laughs> this is all great because I'm, go- I'm leaving for Vegas in like three days. I'm like, <laughs> oh, all right, perfect. so blackjack, cocaine, we're doing it. So you know what the trick is in Vegas? I don't know if I, I, someone told me that it might not be possible to do anymore, but this was the trick. I don't know. You probably what, won't have to worry about it. The trick of drink. like buying cocaine? No, 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 no drinking for free because that was like a big thing. Oh, no, yeah, like, you, sit, you sit at the, the slots. Or the, no, the, the best is you sit at the bar that has the video poker oh. and you put $20 bill in that video poker and you just like play like as I think they've now made it so like your maximum bet has to be a certain amount, but like you just sit there and you play that video I don't, poker. Um, I don't do that because I just bring a case of wine with me. Yeah, I was gonna say because I might have to not go for to. I have to go yeah. for work and have I'm there. Have you guys both been to Vegas before? I have to go to yeah. Vegas every year. Have you never been to bon Vegas? I've never been. You've never oh, been? Man. Come on Thursday. It's like a it's a it's a it's a trashy it's a fucking holiday. Trip, man. It sounds like a trip. It's really, really fun for like two days. Yeah. No. And then after that, it's a slow decline to your death. Yeah. That feels very fast paced. It's awful. But that's why I just bring my own wine and yeah. I hold myself up and you never you can like you can walk the entire strip without ever having to go outside. So you can like 
it's just fucking it's almost it's bizarre because you like and also it's like it's always the same light yeah because they, they in like it, it has this very weird you smell. never know what time it you is or what's know. going on they make it purposeful they make yeah, sure that it's they disorienting so oh, yeah. you're just they, like, make, they yeah. make sure next thing you know you're on a blackjack table spending <laughs> hundreds of dollars yeah. yeah or in my case the one time I passed out from in the bushes outside of Caesar's Palace oh that no that was fun I ended up well, yeah I once ended up in a bachelorette party's <laughs> limousine once what that was did you get whole, paid or strangers it's total strangers wow. total strangers and i just there I, was a law and order svu episode that you could have been right there they could have taken advantage of you the bachelorette it. party yes. i think that's what i was hoping for <laughs> <laughs> and you were like I, marissa i tried I was yeah like, no i was i wasn't and i'm lo- like you could have gotten raped olivia benson wouldn't have been there to save you but i yeah no um so malactic fermentation <laughs> no we're not talking about power <laughs> Um, yeah, where were we at? Just, uh, so we're talking about tapas and beer. <laughs> we're talking about accessibility and, accessibility. and having a, accessibility. But yeah, I mean, but I think that also with educate, I think that there's a big thing with education too in terms of like accessibility and price point. Where, um, you know, if we're if we're teaching consumers why these wines cost more, you know, it's like the same reason like why they're willing to pay more for the kale at the farmers market versus the kale at you know you know, that, that isn't from a farmer's market. Like people don't understand like what goes into these wines. And I think that part of that is teaching them about the producers and being like, Hey, you know, like so-and-so lost 70% of their crop this past year. So that's why this, you know, since so is $35 versus $22 because they lost, you know, X amount and they have to, you know, keep the fucking lights on, man. Yeah. Do you want to keep, I mean, not, not only the financial vulnerability on their part, but also just the fact that it like, they, crafted this wine by hand and to a certain degree it's like it's it's kind of their own personal artistic expression in a lot of cases so it's like not only are you paying for like you know like clean farming and like like natural winemaking but you're also paying for like artistry yeah the personality that's that's kind of like imparted in the wine I absolutely agree. Um, it's it, I think it's I think it's like way important to be just talking about that more. Just I also think because in speaking of beer, I think that part of the problem in America is like our drinking culture is still really young. You know, like if you think about it in terms of wine, like we really only started drinking wine in America in like the 30s and 40s, and even that was like a you know it was a really big push, um, and it was very hard. Whereas we've always drank beer. But it also is in America, like drinking is a means to an end. It's like the way to get drunk. Like we're not allowed to do it our whole lives. And then when you get set off yeah. wild and free in college and it's like you're not thinking about what you're drinking. You're just pounding whatever you can as fast as possible to get drunk and hopefully fuck somebody. Um, yeah, you know, bro- bros icing bros is like a per- like that's like a perfect example. Of yeah. Like, I don't even enjoy this. This is like a trick. You tricked me into drinking something. I, I don't once even got drink. iced in the mail. My friends. That's from amazing. Te- my friends from Texas. Shout out to Ryan Ellis, one of my best bros. Um, he sent me a like. He was like, "Oh, we're gonna send you a record." Because then, like, when he had like a when I was writing about music, and he's like, "We're gonna send you this record, so be on the lookout for it." And I'm like, "Cool." And it's like a box. I'm like, "Oh man, like they must have sent me so many records. Like I'm important. Like I wrote one article for Pitchfork. Wow." And it was just a seven inch, but then a pillow, and inside the pillow was a. A Smirnoff Ice. Brutal. That, like, did you get down on one knee and chug it? I did, it? I did. That's I amazing. Did, I did it. But yeah, I, and so I think that um, there is a disconnect versus like in Europe, for example, where, you know, a lot of people grow up around wine and they also like know the people that are making the wine that is being served in that in that village. Like they're like, oh, 
my neighbor, my neighbor Philip makes wine and I drink it. Like yeah. I'm ten, or like you know, yeah. like I'm six and my grandpa makes wine in the basement and I help him. Like yeah. you know, yeah. and it's it's you see you understand like the culture and um, what goes into it and like the relationships that producers and winemakers have with their wines versus here where we're like just love drinking Schmirnoff eyes. Yeah, but I mean, I think, I think we're moving forward. We're definitely moving forward. Um, well, California yeah, definitely, right? Because sorry, I keep interrupting you, Quinn. I no, 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 it's fine. But California, I think California has a connection to agriculture. Probably, I don't, I don't know about other states so much, but like, I think that we have a, a very strong connection to agriculture here. So with, so uh, Psychic Wines um, is you. Quinn. When is it open? And when's it open? He was like, it was yeah. supposed to open three months ago, and before that, it was three supposed months to open a year ago. It's like, yeah. um, but that's how but it always goes. Definitely, and you know, in addition to the like already sort of slow churn of LA city bureaucracy, we also came upon a space that was um, pretty raw, and it's a really old building, and it's needed a lot of work, but it's just about there. I mean, this at this point, this this. The space is done. We're just waiting on a like a couple, um, a couple of our like final um, inspections. Yeah, certificate of occupancy. Awesome. And, like, health department. So, case so and we're, so we're just kind of waiting on them to show up. Case tax. So, definitely first <laughs> first order. And your partner Zach Jarrett, who um, we're drinking his wine apparently right now. Um, this, no, this is jo- this is Josh's. Uh, oh, it's Josh's. Josh's. This, is, this, is, this is. I'm assuming Ooh. it sounded like you said this is what Josh keeps in L.A. for those. I think you said what what those Zach special moments. kept in L.A. Oh no, Zach's got his own. I thought you were own. saying Zach that whole time, and no, I was this like, is jo- uh, "This is Josh Eubank ooh, when he's like talking about stirring the pot." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, all right. Well, that's great. Hi, Josh. Love you. Um. <laughs> um. But talking about psychic wines, um. How did you and Zach Jarrett, who chef at uh, Cozabona, um, also he does some wine repping yeah or through josh through actually. josh yeah um how did you guys meet um i came on it, it was either ordinaire or it was down here in los angeles but josh was like you know starting to make some 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 sales trips to los angeles and was meeting people down here um and he was like hey i i met this butcher He's super cool. I want you to meet him. Wait, but how did so, you meet him? Yeah, yeah. So he, so oh. Josh brought me along down to oh, Los Angeles jo- for one of his like sales trips, and we went, we went to Salt's Care, and I think that was actually the first time I met, I met Zach. Oh, because Zach was, was it? I forgot that Zach was at Salt's Care. Yeah, that's the first time Salt's I met you too, right? That same trip. Yeah, and we, we, I was, rec- who was I? I think, I think, Zach and I were sharing this memory the other day. We slammed like two bottles of that Petnat with a really crazy name that the Troy Ciders. With the triangle label, yeah, makes, yeah, yeah, something about like, what is the name? Wait, it's what's really one? weird name? It's like related to like gender politics or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, a gender. We slammed two bottles of the same wine and had like a really great meal, and then like proceeded to. Where did I meet you guys? I feel like I met you guys. We met you at a. We went to uh, Josh. This is this is a fun podcast. Josh liked that. Uh, there was that Mexican dive bar thing. Uh, I don't know. if... Oh that my Mexican gosh! Beer bar, the yeah. pool hall—that's the appropriate. The pool hall, which is now closed, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, called. in the arts district, and for some reason, Josh knew them, and we played pool and drank. I feel like Coronas or something. 
Yeah. Yeah. That sounds that fun. That was a good time. Yeah. I met Quinn when I, uh, and Josh and Bradford all at once when I did that event with Corey. Right. And none of you at guys ordinary. wanted to talk to me. It was awful. I think everyone was like a little like. Everyone you know, was like, gonna, <laughs> it was like such a weird thing. You guys were like, you like, could just, you guys, they were like, you couldn't stand over there. And I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> it was, it was, it was kind of an interesting event, but it was busy as hell. Yeah. It was crazy. Marseille Ross coming through. You know, maybe, maybe Ruined everyone, yeah, I think everyone, maybe everyone was a little starstruck, you know? Oh, yeah. they were like, she's so much more beautiful <laughs> yeah. in person. That's what, that's what I want everyone to say. Like I, I, I'm, they're like, whoa, you wore makeup. That's wild. And I'm like, yes, I'm always on Instagram in my pajamas looking like shit. So that way when you meet me, you're like, she's a goddess. And really, it's just, I just don't look Actually, like I've been wait. up till three. I'm drinking wine. We're going to have to take this part and just have it be like a Patreon extra episode like how learned, did we meet like, <laughs> yeah, like, well it's kind of interesting it kind of gives you an idea of how the this community this yeah the community, community is, is assembled yeah. Yeah. yeah and so because quinn you're because you're you started like we said in ordinaire and like i feel like you got the ordinaire I'm sorry, people I'm drinking more of this have done a really good, it's have tasty re- no? have actually done a really good job like, how, who knows how long it'll you know these things change you know? Very rare. You know, there, there's, there are wine professionals in Tokyo and Copenhagen who would give a kidney for this wine. Well, I feel like there's a, a wine <laughs> importer that might have my kidney after finding out that you served it to us. No, I was going to say um, that the, the folks at Ordinaire, and I like you, Josh, and Bradford, did a really good job of like reaching out to the Southern California people. And I feel like there was a lot of before there wasn't a lot of connection and now it's like we i feel like we're one community whereas before it didn't feel that like previously in the past like it was like northern california southern california and there wasn't as much commingling yeah and now it's like it's we're just one giant community and it, i love it it makes me very happy that like i go up to san francisco or or oakland and even farther north and and people from up there come down here and it doesn't feel there's no like it's just not as isolated. Yeah, if it, it, it just makes the community feel much stronger. And I think that it's helped. Well, I think the community has become stronger because of that. Like, I do think it is partly like, uh, but I think that it is people from up north reaching out down here. Yes. Like, I think it is like a really big part of, like, I think it's on that side of things. Like, because it's not really, no one really gives a fuck. Like, if people from LA go up there, like, what are we doing? Just potting. I think we were all getting really, like, Things were gathering momentum up there, and we were all getting really excited, and we're just like really curious about what was going on in well, Los kind Angeles. Of sucked and because I, you guys were, I was like, I'm moving up there. Yeah. I'm moving to Oakland, man. Like it's all happening, and then all and of a sudden, just came down here. Yeah, and then I was like, God damn it, I'm yeah. never gonna leave LA. Like I'm yeah. stuck in LA. No, it's it's good though. Like last, because I went to the second Brumaire, and then I went to the third Brumaire. And the second premiere, I feel like the L.A. contingency was small. It was like five, maybe ten people from L.A. Yeah. And then this last one, I feel like it was a solid showing up of Los Angeles. Yeah. And that made me really happy. I was really excited to see the fact that, like, that that was happening. And having Raw down in L.A. also was like, okay, this is like a signifier that, like, we are becoming one strong Sim- like yeah community and which is actually pretty incredible if you think about the size of our state well what i was gonna say is i think los angeles has come a long way yeah. los like, angeles i think los angeles things way. are moving rapidly here extremely are, quickly are kind of continuing to sort of 
and there's all kinds of things happening. Yeah. I mean, New um, York is moving here. Yeah. Well, that's because they can't afford. This was something I wanted to ask you guys, both being like oh boy. Southern California natives. I mean, yeah. how do you feel about a lot of, because a lot of the people involved in. Feel some pot stirring coming on. <laughs> a lot of people involved in growing the natural wine scene here yeah. are coming from elsewhere. They're transplants. Not us. Yeah. Um, so I just, I mean, is it, do I'm you ready have for complicated the feelings? Let's get the e- we're going to get yeah, the we're emails. Yeah, we're going to get the emails. So here's, I, can I start? Wait, wait, he didn't finish the question. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, is it, is it something, like, are you just excited to see growth regardless of who, it's, who is contributing to it? Or, like, are, are you guys a little annoyed sometimes, or what? Can I answer this one? Because this one's near and dear to my heart. I know it is. Um, <laughs> so I have many. Let it rip. So I do, I have many, many feelings on it. And, and there is a strong part of me that feels a lot of animosity and and kind of wants to say and 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 has probably in the past and not probably has in the past said fuck new york but what i'm trying to say is you have so it's not necessarily fuck new york because i like a lot of people from new york and i like a lot of programs from new york and i like a lot of businesses you know and i'm happy to have them out here but there's an attitude sometimes that new york has towards los angeles and has has had for a very long time, and it doesn't just relate to the wine market. I was about to say it, it's a it's a general New York attitude that they do everything first. And yeah, better. and it's I mean we're talking about fashion, film, art, food, food, literature, everything. New York and so magazines. The, and they're just out here colonizing. Yeah, and <laughs> so like it, there's there's the native Angelino. I'm a multi generational native Angelino. And there's a part of me that it's like, no, do- like, I can't believe, I just was going to say dog. That's You can awful. say, I, I, I love you. Say, Go for it. No, dude. I really liked it. <laughs> I, was I was like, like we've, been, we've been doing this for a long time. Like, Los Angeles is... is, is well, you especially. We're not, like, my, my for instance, my great-grandfather is like an old Hollywood person. Like, I believe in the culture of... And he of, was making natural wine <laughs> and selling it. I believe in the culture of Los Angeles. And I think a lot of New York likes to say... There, it, at least they used to say there was no culture here. That's a lot of people used to talk about the lack of culture in Los Angeles. Yeah, but that's never been the case. For instance, here's a great one. A little a little tidbit for all those people out there. Andy Warhol had his very first museum exhibition in Los Angeles. No way. Yeah, it was in Pasadena of all places. So where he was privileged. Pop art. <laughs> pop art. Like. The, the Pasadena Art Museum, which is now the Norton Simon, was the place where pop art first started. And it was the first place as a museum to be like, this is real, this exists. And so there's just lots of instances of that in Los Angeles. And so my biggest fear is New York is, comes out here and they go, I'm going to show you what to do. I, we're like we're New York. We're showing you this thing, well, and I, I want them to realize it's been here and we have it. Well, also too, and I mean, it also as like a Southern California native that's been you know doing the wine thing here for a minute. I think that that's part of it. Is like more there's sometimes a a a um yeah. Let's show you how it's actually done. Where it's yeah. like, hey, like you know, we've been doing it and we're doing it our way, and it's a little bit different and like. Also, it lacks like a respective, um, I think, Southern California as a place in general, like in terms of like climate and culture and things like that. Like we don't have fucking rosé season here. 
Like, we don't have that here. Like, because it's, it's rosé season all year round here. Or, like, things like that where it's, like... And, and that's, like, such a dumb... That's, like, a shitty, like, shallow example. But it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, we have a different culture here like we have a different we have a different way that we do things and that's just as respectable as how anyone else does what they do you know like i, I don't know if that like came the out french right, going to the italians and being like let me show you how to do this thing we're almost no, the french just steal everything from <laughs> but we're almost i mean there's almost in some ways at least in like someone like i'm there's almost that much of a different in culture, I think. Like, Action Bronson's is somebody I can't really relate to. I can relate to Action Bronson as much as I can relate to somebody in Paris, someone I can relate to in Tokyo, someone I can relate to in, you know, any other major... I, I don't know what it's... I don't know what that is. I don't know what it's like. Just because he's American and into natural wine and into rap doesn't mean that I totally, fully understand who But he I will is. say that I think... Um, cause Adam is very, very vocal about his feelings about, uh, like New York in particular. Um, but I think it is good in some way. It is, it is also good. Like it's, it's great because, you know, we are getting, you know, a lot of wines that we maybe wouldn't have had before if there wasn't people out here that are, that are advocating on our behalf, you know, just like there was a lot of wines that we couldn't get from up North that we now are able to get. So I think it is good and great and awesome because they are bringing different, um, you know, thoughts and styles and opinions and all sorts of amazing things to Los Angeles, which, as we said, is growing so quickly. And that's really exciting. And the other important thing is that, you know, I I like to think that, you know, it's bringing hopefully it will bring the whole country together, you know, and um, and eventually maybe it won't be just, new, you know, I don't want it to be one of those things where, like, you only can live in, like, um, New York or LA or San Francisco to be able to enjoy the things that we enjoy and hopefully yeah. you know people moving out of the cities and going to other places even like Bradford is now in Chicago and he just he, I'm pretty sure he just opened up his new spot yeah it's I think it's like f- like regular hours of business start I know I, I just started following them on Instagram pretty dope. diversity is he working diversity. is he, is he yeah. working diversity, in the shop yeah. too yeah he's gonna be working in the Only shop it's gonna be as him. far as his Instagram <laughs> is concerned <laughs> No, it's it's gonna be him and uh, Mac, and Mac is a I buddy. I love Mac. Yeah, I, he was on um, the Italy trip with me. Oh, right on. That's He's right. Great. He's really, really rad. He yeah. kind of reminded me of a baby you. A baby me? Yeah, a little bit of a baby like, you. Similar cadence, or yeah, like similar just like add- cadence and style. Yeah, he was like he cried a lot. He asked for his no. I was the I was the only I was the I think I hope I was the only one that cried on that trip. I cried the entire (laughs) time. Uh, It was bad. Um, But I I will. Yeah, I I do want to say like I I, you're getting it. I don't want like I welcome New York. I'm okay with New York being here. I just said there's a there's a part of me that just intrinsically. I know. I think that I think yes, and I think that part of it is that like. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had to defend LA my whole life. And it's weird that all of a sudden people are like, isn't LA cool? And I almost don't trust it. Well, it's like when everyone in fucking, like, going back to Chill Wave, everyone lived in Brooklyn and it was like, you had to move to Brooklyn to, like, be in music in, like, 2009, 2010, like that, like, little era. And then now, like, three years later, all those people moved to LA. After all they did was shit on LA for years. They're like, oh, you live in LA? It's fucking trash there. And I'm like, is it really trash? I live in Echo Park and there's like three venues with within walking distance that you play. Like, how is this any different than Brooklyn yeah, except that I have a yard and you don't? Elliot like, Smith. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean fortunately, you I've, ever heard of the Red Hot Chili Peppers? <laughs> 
silver song pickups. <laughs> I mean, we have great bands that came out of here, man. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I think um, the you're like uh, the I actually f- fucking hate New Yorkers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know, I I think yeah. Um, I mean, I don't like them, but <laughs> I think that Los Angeles has a distinct enough flavor. Yeah. That I don't think I like. I'm I'm not too concerned about it ever really getting diluted. Um, and you know, maybe some of this influx will result in like. I don't know, native Angelinos or sort of like, you know, th- things that are already in existence here feeling like they need to sort of like take it up a notch. Yeah, I don't absolutely. Know. Like, so that was that was what I was going to say is so that was my feeling for it's still there. But there's also this other feeling where I feel really proud that New York has recognized Los Angeles. And there's this part of me that's like. There's, it's not negative. It's all positive because what it's saying is people are saying there is something out there. There is culture, and we should go out there. The truth is, they've always be just been jealous. What's well, our weather? I know. I'm like, look outside right now. It's yeah, <laughs> it's all like green. There's broken via everywhere. You know. And so I think. I that there's well, I think. There, I mean, this place is so rich with culture. It's just such. It's so. It's so young compared to New York that we don't have this the same kind of institutional recognition of the culture that exists here. Yeah, and like. You know, maybe that's. I have a friend who used to say, who was not a native, who used to say, Los Angeles is, is in the future and New York is in the past. And Dang. Whoa. Mic drop. And the reason why he would say that was he would say, people move to New York to be a part of establishments and to be a part of things that already exist. And people move to Los Angeles to create things and to be to, individuals. And, yeah. And to, to make memes. To make memes, <laughs> to to create the new thing, and I think that that's just California in general, right? The the West, you could always move west to do something new, to start this new life, and that's why we have technology, and that's why we have like all of these sort of we push a lot out here because yeah. we have that history of you do the new stuff out here, you can get away with it. Man, we've been potting a while, yeah, but I, I think this is good. I think, keep it going, should we open something else? Yeah, Quinn, well, Quinn, it's up to you because Adam and I tend to do X amount until we feel good. So I kind of want to spend a little bit more time talking about this wine while we have like just this little bit of it left. I think it's really, really special that we're able to have this wine from 2006, which is one of my favorite years of my life. It was very really? hard, but I loved that year. Yeah, it was a good year. It was a good summer, hard year. Great summer, made some really good mixes. I had a great summer, 2006. Right? <laughs> 2006 was Wait, you great. You sound like you got laid or something. I think I lost my virginity summer of 2006. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah I I was like, how old was I? I was, or I was 20, so I was like, yeah, just sort of free in the world and... I was living down in Orange County and going to Trestles with all my surfer friends, and I'd just like sit on the beach. It was great and watch all these. And I just hung out with like twelve hot surfers, none of which wanted to fuck me, which sucked. But (laughs) 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 you know, they're like Marissa. You're just like you're one of the bros. No, I was called little bro forever. Yeah, little bro. (laughs) I still am little bro, but that's fine because now I'm married. So now people have to say I'm like little bro to just feel better. So I tell myself. Anyways, this wine. So. It's really cool that we're, I think it's just incredible that we're able to drink this wine. Like it, it's, and it, it's, it's really special. Like 2006, when I think of 2006, I don't think about it as 12 years ago. Like that's right? scary as what fuck. What a trip. Like I remember when my, I, I there's I a slight matterization, but it's not in any way off-putting or. Explain or what bad. that is. 
so it tastes slightly oxidative, but it's yes. not. It's not. It's a little stewy. But it's not in a bad way. It's, it's not, not off-putting, and it, it, I wouldn't call it a, an and issue. By stewy, I just mean like you know, like like stewed fruit, but not in a bad way. It's like like you said earlier. It's like still. It's it's a little more fruit leathery than earlier. Yeah. But the acid is still incredible. Like it's still incredibly alive, because I mean, both of you guys were here on my on my birthday, and like that uh, barbacola like died within. You know, we right. opened it and it died within 30. And I mean, granted, that was really tasty for a minute, though. It was really right. tasty, but it was, I mean, it was an 86. So, I mean, it was. So, wait, hold on. I just, have you had this thought before? Is Ross testing best to do with older vintages? I've never Ross tested an older vintage. Because then you're not exposing it to as much as oxygen. But, I, but, so, but some, I think that, n- no, because in some wines, you, some older wines, you have to, you have to decant. Like, we had to decant that Barbacolo. Uh, I'm I'm I'm, put, I'm of mixed feelings of that. We you should really challenge the fetishism of of aged wine and start just Ross. If testing. I could afford, really, really I know. old wine. <laughs> really old if, wine. I could, <laughs> if I could afford it, if I could afford it, and I could find it, yeah. I would. But let's remember, I'm a writer. I don't get paid anything. Yeah. Well, I get paid money. I get enough paid. I get paid enough money to pay for my rent. But like, yeah, why do you think we started a fucking pod? Yeah. Casper, <laughs> where are you at? Um, I need that blue apron money. Um, Wait, but aging, aging, but aging natural wines. It, but is that it, where we're getting back to? But no, well, yes. What we're getting back to is the fact that this is a, this is a 12-year-old wine that's natural that never had sulfur added to it. And it's still tasting awesome after a fucking hour of being open, which is incredible going back to our first podcast without stirring too much of a pot that there are wines that are being made today that can't, that are fresh and new and can't last 20 minutes being open. You know, it, it, it really just shows you the gamut of what natural wine can be. It's not, it's, it's not all, you know, for lack of a better word, like, like glue glue, have to drink it in 20 minutes, like carbonic or orange or whatever the fuck. Like there are actual really incredible natural wines that, can be aged a long time and can be stable and 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 be very very enjoyable and I think that that's really special. Like, thank you for bringing this. Thank you, Josh, for leaving it in L.A. for uh, Quinn to poach. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Shout I, out to Percy I, Selections. Yeah. I mean, one the, of my favorite favorite importers. So you mentioned that there are a lot of wines that are like you know current releases that you open the bottle and like right out the gates, they're just kind of unstable. They're already sort of falling apart, whether they get mousy or, you know, in whatever way they, 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 whatever they taste like fucking trash. Yeah. So, well, my question tastes like trash at some point, And then you're like, Oh man, this tastes like trash. And a lot of these wines, I'm sure if, if, if one were to sit on them and be patient with the wines, whether that is like another four or six months but or see, a year, but I hate that. I fucking hate that. I know. Well, you continue what you're saying because I know what you're gonna say, and I fucking hate. <laughs> Go on. By the way, she whose hates responsibility that. <laughs> is it? Whose responsibility is it to to sort of to sit on these wines and and see, you know, and wait until they're 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 ready? I agree with you. I know I was gonna say to that be too. consumed. Like, who, yes. is it? Is it? You know, because I think the problem is though is that a lot of people say what I was what I was gonna say that I fucking hate when people say this is they're like, well, just open it in another three months. And it's like that is not something constructive for the consumer. Because okay, if you're already opening the bottle of wine, if the con- if I open up this bottle of wine and I only have one of it, and it's bad, 
what advice is oh you should like wait you three months you in the mouse and you should have like that doesn't fucking help the I consumer I totally agree it's not so the responsible I don't think it's the responsibility of the consumer but yes uh, but Amen. I mean how many how many other how many other um you know steps are there between between you know when the wine leaves the cave you know the domain where it was made and then and then it's like received by the consumer so you have you have the importer who you know this is a pretty cash intensive business it's kind of hard for an importer especially Absolutely. a smaller importer to sit on stock for a while and wait for a wine to resolve itself and then you have you know in some cases you have a distributor on top of that and then you have either your beverage director at a restaurant or your like caviste wine retailer there used to be this idea though and and Man, I don't know if I agree with. I don't know, but there used to be this idea that restaurants or or wine shops or caves would hold stuff, right? You would sell her like that was a which is how it should be. That was you a know, thing like, that people used to do. You're yeah. like, oh, we're this wine, we're this restaurant, and we've cellared our wine for ten years or whatever. The and they they are the ones that decide when that wine is ready. Or the job of the sommelier is like, don't drink that yet. It's on our list, but don't drink that yet. It's on our list, but it's not ready. So we used to say that, and people still say that about certain wines. Like people be like, I bought this Grand Cru Burgundy, and I'm going to cellar it because I know it's not ready to drink. And everyone's like, applauds it. But if you say, I bought this natural wine, and it's not ready to drink, I'm going to cellar it, people think you're insane. Yeah. I think and that's smart. But I guess maybe that's because we're... That, wait, to cellar it? To cellar it, yeah. I mean, there's... I mean. I think that that's, I mean, with natural wine, but I think that that also goes back to the fact that most people think that natural wine needs to be consumed right now. It goes back to, like, the the glue-glue, like, like wh what do you mean you got to sell it, right? Like, those things, you know, it, it ties into this whole consciousness of what natural wine should be or isn't, you know? Yeah, pati patience, patience with wine doesn't, it, do it doesn't only pertain to, like, um, you know, the material, the structure of the wine, you know, like, like like Barolo, for instance, you need to age the hell out of because right. the tannins of Nebbiolo yeah, are yeah. so aggressive. Well, in natural wine, it's like a very, you have to th you have to think about it very differently. It's like these wines have like, they're very, um, they're, they're mercurial. They're like, they're alive. And, you know, sometimes they need a little bit of time in bottle to just kind of like, to chill out. All right, let's. Should we give Chad some introduction? Yeah, absolutely. Well, wait, 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 it smells well, great. It smells really good. No? I just have Chad sent me all of the 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 information on these wines. This is ripping. Chad Hines is probably one of the most promising winemakers in California right now. I'm not just saying that because he's a buddy. He is a buddy, but he is. He really does make exceptional wines. Um, no, this is delicious. Yeah. First time, first time I met Chad, he was. Actually, I wasn't present for this, but he showed up at Ordinaire, and Bradford was there, and he had a keg of rosé made from Valdigay. Yeah. And he was like, hey, I work uh, I work with Kevin Kelly. I make wine up at Selenia. I made this rosé. You want to try it? Out of keg? I can't remember. I think he had a sample in like okay. a little vial or like some little bottle or something. I love it. Yeah. 
I'm like, what? How old was he, too? It's like, was he 24, 25, 24? He was young. I mean, this was probably like three and a half, four years ago. No, not yet. So this is uh, Method Sauvage. So what we're drinking is Method Sauvage made by a gentleman by the name of Chad Hines. who uh, It sounds like you said a Joel man. Named Chad Hines. Uh, Joelman? <laughs> Joelman named Chad Joel Hines. Joelman named Chad Hines. Uh, from Rorick Heritage, and it's Trousseau. So he's a gentleman, all right? He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. 2017. And uh, Chad is lives in the East Bay? He does live in the East Bay, yeah. And he's making... Where does he make his wine now? He's up in um, Alameda or something with... Uh, oh, with Noel from Purity. Yeah. And Martha Stalman makes wine so, now, yes. too? I believe so, yes. Yeah. We're so bad about that. We did Martha. We talked about Martha's on the last one. And I was just like, "She's awesome. I love this one." <laughs> like, we should probably get some notes in the future, guys. We promise we'll be better. So the reason why I, because I, I talked to Chad a little bit about why. So he's he's known. A, I don't know if he's known, but he makes a lot of. He does Cap Franc and Chenin Blanc, and is moving towards more Alpine um, varieties because he's planting, and he's planting in a very high elevation site. And so he wants to start working with Trousseau and Mondeuse and I believe Shotslots. And he's gonna, he's like he's Mondeuse it's wild. He's been all over the place. But I remember his like his Blau the first the Blau Frankish yeah. and then uh, what was the white grape variety he was working with too? He did some, he did Chenin Blanc, but. It was before that, yeah. though, and it was something weird. It was like, uh, I can't remember anyways. He had this vineyard The only stuff I've ever been able to get from him is the stuff that he sends me. Uh, shouts to chat for sending me stuff. That's very nice of you. Um, and luckily, I mean, I get sent a lot of stuff that I actually just like send back or I open and I just give to my UPS guy, which probably might get him fired. But um, <laughs> but Chad's wines are incredible. And like for me, this Trousseau is actually really exciting because it has um, some of the came, some of the came, some of the same characteristics um, of his Cabernet Franc. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there's like a similar texture to it, but it's so light and vibrant and beautiful. Like I. I I love it. I strangely I strangely feel like I'm listening to a Strokes record after we just played the the Beatles if that makes sense yeah. like th- we drank this Philippe Jambon which to me was like more like that and now we're like listening to or like drinking the thing that you can Is it the new Strokes or is it like uh No, it's like it 2001 this is it. Okay, okay, cool. But like I'm like peak, I'm like peak the, Strokes yeah. like as good yeah, as yeah, it yeah, got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a there's a line phenomenal here. album yeah. Phenom- phenomenal but room on fire is still good I, mean, um, you know, we I like that record I like that record too it could be a room on fire situation but you know what I'm saying like I, you can tell that the, that he's influenced by the, the these previous generations and you can taste it in his wine like do we know how it's fermented he said it's whole cluster I have the notes right here uh, better or worse but I think it's for yeah it says whole cluster fermented twelve and a half alcohol. 25 ppm. So 20. He added 25 parts per million SO2 one week before bottling. Neutral oak aged for six months. Wow, you can't even taste the oak on that. It's so light and alive. Um, what's cool though also is that this is Trousseau, which is I feel like a typically French grape. Um, and now here we're drinking it from California. Um, I don't know a ton about Trousseau except that it's a light red wine traditionally that I love to drink um and I feel like and I might be wrong on this but I feel like Trousseau wasn't it one of the isn't it one of the grapes that like the the AOC like doesn't really allow it to be on its own or am I crazy thinking that I feel like it, it was more of a blended grape 
In the Jura? Yeah. I'm not. I could I'm be wrong sure. on that. I'm. I'm. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I'm looking it up. But I just feel like Trousseau, you know, Trousseau is not something. It's not. It's not Pinot Noir. You know, it's not like. Did you know a synonym yeah. for Trousseau is Bastardo? <laughs> Bastardo. Yeah. Best, wait, so Bastardo? I think a lot no, of people bastard. actually believe that Bastardo. It, that it, yeah, which 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 is an indigenous to 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 Spain, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people believe the Trousseau actually came to the Jura. I there I read I heard this interview with Stefan Tiso that talked about this kind of interesting connection between the Iberian Peninsula and the Jura. And yeah, I can't remember <laughs> the details of it exactly, but it was... Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm on Wikipedia. So, again, a lot of uh, us wine professionals don't know everything, so we look stuff up. Good, I think this is a good point to make. Most wine professionals, at least good ones that are, like, that are nice people, are willing to admit that we don't remember everything all the fucking time. And, like, that's okay. And, and as a consumer... I hope you know you don't have to know everything all the time and you're never going to know everything so just like just don't even don't even bother it's fine like just just accept the fact <laughs> that it's a, a, it's too much information you're never going to be able to hold on to all of it especially if you don't research the shit that you're talking about on your own podcast beforehand um, so it's an it's yeah. an offspring of Sauvignon and a sibling of Chenin Blanc and Sauvignon Blanc Trousseau Trousseau Bastardo Interesting. Yeah. But, but it's red. But it's red. <laughs> I know, I'm like, yeah, I was like, don't sound like an idiot. Well, Whoa. Thanks. thanks, Quinn. It's I was trying to stop myself gr- from sounding dumb. It's grown in Crimea. Wow. wow. Interesting. I, yeah. I wonder if anyone's making natural wine in Crimea. Okay. I'm like, I, I have like an entire dictionary right there, like, or an entire thing that's literally just about grapes. So the reason why Robinson, that one is the best. That one's the best. You have amazing. The reason why it used to be in California though, I think, is because it's made to make port. Like it's it's one of the grapes they use in fortified wines. No, California has used to have a much stronger fortified wine history. And we used to be like Angelico and or Angelica and other things. Like we used to be I think because fortified wine used to be something that was just a stronger history. People made fortified wine because it was fortified, so it would travel really well, right? Yeah. And it would last a long time. And yeah. I also think the Californians were... Um, Drunks? Y- yes. Still are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, but the also, too, something that was easier for Californians to understand than versus um, just regular wine. Like, because America was such a, um, a spirit-oriented yeah. culture. Did you know that when the Declaration of Independence was signed, the... The, the, the alcohol they drank Trousseau? No, the alcohol that they uh, cheersed with or that they celebrated with was Madeira. Oh. Mm-hmm. Madeira's Interesting. good. Yeah. So I would celebrate with some Madeira. Yeah. But I think, again, Madeira is something that travels. I mean, it's the best traveled wine, right? Like, you can expose it to heat. You can expose it to oxygen. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't fuck it up. It's like, I've already been exposed to heat yeah, and oxygen. So it doesn't matter. So and we were essentially British back then, too, right? Yeah. yeah. Brits love Madeira. Oh, man. They love... <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it was with Madeira and cucumber sandwiches. That's what they signed the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> what are they wait, called? Wait, they're wait, wait. Cucumber sandwiches. Is that, is they're that, called something no, else. No, but cucumber sandwiches or whatever they're called. They're, tea, uh, tea sandwiches? Yeah, they're they're little like tea. That's tea, so yeah. British. Yeah, that's Very so British, British where they cut the little. With little there's no crust. So, so dainty. dainty. Yeah. Very dainty. I don't like it. I'm like, I would destroy it. I want a fucking Subway made out of like a. No, just salami and cheddar cheese. Just in my fucking face all the time. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> our pod is so ridiculous. <laughs>
Um, question for both of you. My rap career is going very well. It looks like it is with this with this look you have right now. I thought now. that was the question. Your rap career looks like it's going amazing. <laughs> so so Trousseau um, is a you know awesome great varietal, but we don't hear about it very often from California, which is very exciting to me. Are there any other varietals that you guys are excited to be seeing more from California? Like, are, are there things that are coming out of California that are not typical that you're excited about? I am excited to see the typical California varieties vinified in ways that are um, more natural. But but what is a typical California variety? Uh, well, okay. So, I mean, the, the, the varieties that have become kind of like California benchmarks. So, Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, Pinot Noir. Yeah. So you, um, okay. Zinfandel. Zinfandel. All right, Adam, um, we know. Adam makes Zinfandel. We get it. <laughs> because because I you know I, I I do think it is interesting to see what we can do with with these more esoteric varieties in in California, um, but at this point, you know, we are so we we have sort of the I don't know. Well, we're we're self-conscious well, enough to be able to to kind of like look at look at look at our our, our history but we also of, don't of California winemaking and and be like wait like you know like why don't we see what these these grape varieties that we we have been placing so much focus on for so long? But I don't necessarily what, think that they should have been planted here to begin with. That's a different conversation. But, different, yeah. but, what I, but at this point, whether no, we like we it... No, made it this conversation because I was asking... Well, about whether whether we like it or not, they are like, yeah. you know, they are well, it has to, They are so much a part of our winemaking well, also goes culture back to the, here. It also goes back to the fact that no one can afford their own vineyards, so you're you're having to use what is available. Yeah. And, that it, that, and I agree with you. I am excited to see what can happen with what has become... Um, you know, the trademarks of California wine. I, I agree with you. It also just kind of bums me out, though, that those are the trademarks of California. But there's also, I mean, I was going to say there's also Merlot. There's also Syrah. There's also Grenache, right? Like, so I like, yeah. Those wines, like, are very, in some ways, work with California. But I, I'm, I was going to say I'm less interested in the varieties and more interested in going back to like what you were said about psychic, the winemakers. Yeah. And like, I kind of don't care what variety you make. It doesn't, it, I don't buy wines because it's Cabernet Sauvignon. I don't buy wines because it's mm -hmm. Pinot Noir. I buy wines because Chad Hines made it, or I buy a wine because Philippe Jambon yes, made it. Yes, but I also think that's a bit of a lie. No, that's totally true. That's no, totally I true. But yeah, but like, don't tell me that you're like, if it was like a random California winemaker that you never heard of that was making Cabernet Sauvignon, you're not going to, you know, you don't want it probably if it was, I mean, I feel like you were, I feel like, okay, I can't speak for you. I feel like I am more willing to take a risk on a natural wine that isn't something that is expected from, Cal you know, like if it's a producer that I don't know doing something interesting, I'm more willing to trust that than a producer I don't know that is doing the expected because I think that it's going to be exactly what I think it's going to be, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. like if it's if it's produced, but that this still goes back to like trusting the Zizu. I swear to fucking god. But that's because you're like I've been burned by Cabernet Sauvignon so many times. Also I'm not going to keep it just, doing it. It kind of just bums me out that like, I mean, 
I agree with you guys 1000%. I think I also am just bummed that like California doesn't have the opportunity to explore other options in terms of varieties that may be better suited for our climate. Like, I don't necessarily think that Syrah and Cabernet Sauvignon are the best to be growing here because it's so fucking hot here. Like, or, or Zinfandel. Like, I don't know. I, so, or you could, you could, you could say, you know, you could say that about yourself. I, can I make it, can I make a point on the other hand that like, I, while, while I do, while I do think it is important that, you know, we start exploring, um, I don't know the potential for these grape varieties that like everyone's so sick of seeing yeah. in California at this point. Um, I also think it is important to kind of explore the, I think what is planted in California, if, if, if you kind of peel back the layers a little bit is really reflective of our, um, the history of immigration in California and you have all these grape varieties that are just like you have this we have this kind of like patchwork of yeah. like random grape varieties in California that are the, that are the result of like different immigrant populations you know moving over here whenever they did and and right, you know, buying a culture, piece of land yeah. and bring they bringing their culture with them and like I think it's important to kind of like acknowledge and explore that in winemaking as well so but I mean but if you think about it that way then like shouldn't the mission grape be something that's explored more in California because I, I absolutely was, agree because that's like something that was brought up through all of our history and whereas like Cabernet and these other varietals were planted after the judgment of Paris mostly and like Valdiguier was like all ripped out so if you're talking about like the heritage it's like where does the heritage of California wine start because the heritage of California wine actually is not is not any of these it's not Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a great point. No, but I, I mean, you you I think I think a good example is um, you know, of like a really young winemaking region that is, I don't know. For instance, Beachy, who's making wine in Tecate in Mexico. Yeah, they're, you know, they're one of. I have their wine open in my fridge right now. Yeah, they're as as far as I know, they're like one of maybe the only people making natural wine in. I think there's three now, but they were there's the first. There's three. Yeah. Okay. Their their wines are the only ones that I have any any experience with. Um, and I and, and I love them. Yeah. Yeah, and they're working with varieties that that are at this point native to the area. I mean, varieties. I mean, they're working with like hundred plus year old vines that have been there since you know. And one of them, the Spanish ne colonized. You know, Nebbiolo like is. Right? Do they still work with Nebbiolo? It's like Tempranillo and Well they don't know what that they don't know what that one the Nebbiolo is. They don't know what it is. But but California the, but they is but the they work but they work with mission a lot. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Mission is mission is mission is the sort of the California grape. But it's also no. But it's gone. There, the thing is, there was probably a lot more of it before it was all ripped up. And yeah. No, that's know, what I'm saying. It's like it's so it's like so it's like like I guess. It, you know, the, the thing about California is, like, wine history, like, it really depends on when you decide right, to start so about it. All right, hold on. Are we really going to go into... If we're going to go into the discussion of California wine history, we can talk about the fact that Northern California was last and Southern California was first. Yeah, and... So San Diego County, Los Angeles County... But San Diego was pl planting shit that, like, should have never been planted there. No, it was mission varieties. Cause, so well, wine okay, came yeah, to California yeah, yeah. Yes, through... Yes, yes. You know, sorry, I was imperialistic thinking about. I'm thinking Catholics. about Temecula. 
got all hyped up on. But ta- Temecula still like ma- Temecula. It, those the reason why that exists is because of the Catholic Church. Why are we talking about this? But, okay, what Kanye? Rick and Morty. But what I was going to say is, you know, like so if you want to talk about like the history of California wine, you have to start with like the real history of California wine, which is wine was brought here by uh, San Juan, you know, by... Uh, uh, it was not San Juan Capistrano. No, uh, <laughs> Unipero Serra, yeah. who came and brought... Oh my God, you passed fourth grade yeah. as, a Cal- as a native Californian. Who brought grapes as a missionary from the Catholic Church and planted the mission grape. At all the missions. Correct. And that is where wine in California starts. And that's why it's called the mission grape. Right. So they had a mission to bring religion and wine, motherfuckers. So <laughs> let's talk about the his like we have seen. I know this is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous thing to talk about that nobody wants to hear. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting. Well, but, so but then you have like San, well, it's just like saying back like cool. So you have San Antonio What's Winery in Los Angeles that is one they of invited the, us. One of the oldest wineries in California, I believe. And or at least that's one of the plots of land that has the longest um, continuous wine production, and you would never consider that a deep part of California wine history. You think of it as garbage, but then you hear Robert Mondavi, but who didn't really exist until the '60s, and that you're like, oh, that's California wine history. But that's it's not really California wine history. Does that? Do you know what I mean? So our yeah. our definition of California wine history is all blurred and fucked up anyway. I think that the California, what what makes, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier about California being the future is like what makes California incredible is that we don't have to look at our past. We can, we can look at our future. So what is the future? But we have to look at our past because we don't have any land to look to our future. But that, so I was texting with somebody, I posted an image about Trader Joe's now releasing Shaw, which is their slightly higher end. You were supposed to bring it. No, I texted with other people, but what? Yeah, I know. Um, who visited Bronco, which are the people who make uh, Two Buck Chuck. They also make about, um, because I think they a make lot a people, shit ton of wine. Well, no, I don't, I don't think that most people realize that 60% of um, commercial wine that comes out of California is made by six specific companies. Um, and Bronco Cellars is one of them. Bronco Cellars not only does Charles Shaw, but they do Franzia, Carlo Rossi, a lot of other things. Um, Damn. So they so don't buy grapes, they own all of their vineyards, and they are converting to organic. Of course they are. They no have way. to. Across the board? From what this text message said, they're across the board converting to organics. They don't really have a fucking choice. But this is central. We're talking about like really what we would consider or what the wine community would consider shitty, right? Like Central Valley. But this is good. Isn't this the point? That's what I'm saying. So what what I'm trying to say is California is looking to the future. We're not looking to the past. We're not looking at like maybe we should be planting varieties that work well in our climate. We're saying why don't we convert everything to organic and why don't we work towards a future where well, that's we what can you're be a, saying I doubt that's what everyone's saying. No, of course. I'm looking at a more uh, at a more optimistic approach to this. I mean but I I think that there's and, and when I got that, when I had that text exchange, my response was, "I not wanna, with me. I want to buy those grapes. I want to make wine from Central Valley Bronco CCOF certified organic grapes. I'm curious as to what the potential of that is, because obviously it doesn't matter if they convert to natural fucking tomorrow, because it's going to take at least five years to get all the oh, bullshit no, that they really. Well, like, what's it's happening? Like, in uh, the, this is like a, um, no. What's happening? What's happening in their winery is obviously not 
The, whatever that cool. Shaw organic wine is that you fucking text me about has nothing to do with the grapes that they've been using from any of their other Charles Shaw stuff because it takes so many years to get all those fucking pesticides and shit out of the fucking soil. Fuck that. They're CCO, Lies! They're CCOF certified. Well, then, so then they obviously bought new land. Something, I don't know. You have to, you have to trust that, right? You have to trust that governing body. Do you? Do you have to trust a governing body? Because I'm pretty sure we have a governing body that I don't trust <laughs> for a fucking second right now. Then, then, then that picks up a really deep or philosophical that issue you that we have. That, you don't think that people pay for... You don't think that people pay for Instagram followers? You don't think that people pay to be on the top of iTunes? You think that people don't pay for... Um, CCOF? So no, you lo- absolutely have to pay for it. Exactly. I, I don't... Yeah, it's I don't, fucking expensive. It's fucking expensive, and that's why there's a lot of incredible winemakers that are not able to be organic certified or because they can't afford it, Yeah. even though they're doing the right thing, but which is... I'm sorry. I, I just don't fucking trust that shit for a second. If you're selling over three... I'm just saying it's a step in the right direction. It's definitely a step in the right direction if it's being real. Why don't I'm we... Dude, curious. here's a podcast. We fucking buy those wines, and we send them in for testing. Interesting. And see, like, what's in them? Yeah. Because just because you're using organic grapes does not mean you're using organic seller practices, which is that a That would be really easy to do. We should do I that. I know. I'm a genius. How many PPM? How much because No, no, no. Sugar, because here's, here's, here's something that people forget. Organic grapes do not mean that there are organic seller practices. No, absolutely. No, I'm, and, I'm absolutely and so, 100%. So while I agree that it's a step in the right direction, you're still selling wine for $3.99, which says something to me because you, you can't... I guess what I'm saying is I'm curious. How, how much was how much did the organic three ninety nine three ninety nine four dollars three ninety nine. Wow, I'm just curious I mean, the quality of the grape. Like if 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 Chad Hine got a hold of a ton of their Pinot Noir from there, like what would the wine be that they made from that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm kind of afraid that. The it's vineyard itself is probably not. I don't know. Are they the doing not be anything you want to touch? You yeah, know? it's like who knows. And, but it is, it is a step in the right direction because no matter what. I mean, they're probably still irrigating though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, the the good news is is that and they're probably using real shitty labor practices. Definitely. But. On the bright side, on the bright side, it is good because I think for me as someone that writes about natural wine in a, in, you know, in a, for a magazine, part of it for me has been like, okay, if I can maybe push other companies to want to do this, that's better for the environment. You know, like it's better for the environment. Like it's still good. Definitely. Uh, like Charles Shaw doing organic wines with organic grapes is still better for the environment. So that is great. Am I gonna fucking promote that wine? Probably not. Yeah. No. I don't care about their fancy new label with their. I'm not talking about promoting. With their, with their sans serif, their sans serif new fonts. I'm in no right? way advocating. I know about sans serif fonts and kerning, and you can't fucking trick me. I'm not in any way advocating that any of our listeners go out to Trader Joe's. Adam Rose. loves Trader Joe's. <laughs> Adam and is actually a, Adam is actually a plant for Charles Shaw. It's, ugh, I'm very disappointed in you right now. <laughs> but I am, I am saying that it, there is a positive. You're saying that, that you shop at Trader Joe's and that's okay. I do shop at Trader Joe's. Is that embarrassing? Am I not supposed to? 
No, they have incredible copywriting on all their products. It's fine. What does that mean? Oh, you're talking about like their their actual their snacks, like their yeah. copy. Yeah, like what they say. <laughs> yeah. Like, and did you know that at each location they have they have a specific person on staff who is trained in like sign painting and stuff who does all of the? Oh, that's amazing. That that's why they always have so many, uh, so many signs. Well, there's no yeah, way yeah, yeah. that th- there's no way that regular people are doing that because otherwise all the street signs in Brooklyn, like the chalkboard signs in like Brooklyn and shit, would look a lot better. Like now it's just like. Rose, right? Did you guys <laughs> know that the very first Trader Joe's of all time was here? Pasadena. You fucking love Pasadena <laughs> so much. Adam, very first Adam one. Wallace, a Pasadena. brand new Pasadena resident, now knows everything. Man, I saw about the most beautiful. Pasadena. We went on a walk and we saw the most beautiful green and greenhouse. You also have the parrots, which is. Oh, it's just amazing. So now we're drinking something else because we are. Three people, and this makes sense. I mean, I don't know if people realize this, but there's only four glasses of wine per bottle, so. That's a, that's a heavy pour. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we call a Ross pour. <laughs> this is the half bottle. Yeah. Um, It's a cider. It's the most from beautiful color. Yeah, it has, it has, it has grapes in it. It's from, um, it's from a guy named Eric. Uh, ancestral flora, and he makes very little cider. His production is minuscule, and he's actually an internet acquaintance of mine. Love the internet. <laughs> I've never, I've never, I've never met this guy in person. Um, but he's like a huge supporter of natural wine he's in, Long Island? in general. He's he's in Long Island, yeah, and. I don't know. Like, the beauty of this is I don't know what's on about him, but yet he and I have been in some kind of like loose correspondence via Instagram. Um, and I talked to him, you know, a few months back and expressed some interest in working with his his ciders at the shop once we got open. And then out of nowhere, he sent me he sent me like a half case of these. Is he so? And is he just a cider maker? Yeah, I think he might he might make a couple wines. This one in particular is is a cider that he 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 took uh, the must of of some pressed uh, Toraldigo and Syrah, I believe, and threw it into the cider during fermentation yeah. as well. So it has this really kind of pretty, um, like like rosy pink hue to it. The label. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It looks just like Bougainvillea. Like, did he hand paint this label? Yeah, all the labels are. They're like they're watercolors. They're all hand painted. But for me, it's it's. I, I think a lot of people, um, a lot of wine professionals like to bring up a, a like. I don't know a certain anxiety surrounding the internet and the effect that it's having on wine culture. I know what you're saying. You're saying that there's like uh, people think that the internet is sort of bad for wine. Yeah, as if it, as if it's kind of like diluting the potential for. Dis- Discovery, or like, sort of, like, 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 um, uh, cheapening the whole process of discovery. Whereas I think that's exactly what they think. Whereas I think, I mean, it's I don't actually, think that it's it's actually a, it's it, it's this really kind of perfect platform for us to mm. continue to sort of solidify our connections, you know, as friends and as a community. Yeah, like I mean, I have uh, one of my closest friends who I'm sitting across from right now. I met. On Instagram, 
Well, we didn't even meet on Instagram. He he found a poster. He found a flyer for my thirty minute one woman show about wine. Yeah, my comedy show, and showed up, and then like sent me a glass of wine at the stage, and then we became buds, and now here we are. So there's there is something about social media that connects people. Also, too, like is someone as a you know I'm a I'm a kid of the internet. I mean, I got the internet when I was in third grade. I didn't start really using it until fourth grade when I started selling Beanie Babies um, and trading Beanie Babies that my dad helped me to. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, but... It's like uh, the Bitcoin of the 90s. Yes, <laughs> but I... Um, but, you know, I spent so much... I, I spent so much time on the internet, and I, that's how I made my friends. Like, in high school, like, I didn't have any friends at my school that weren't in the same music I was into. I met them all on the internet. Like... You know, and then we go shows and we meet in real life or whatever. And it was always a way to find community. Like the Internet was a way to find a community regardless of whatever you were into. And while, yes, that leads to some dark things like communities that believe in Pizzagate. Um, there's also, you know, there's there's also I think it's great because it allows you to meet people that are interested in what you're interested in and allows you to discover things that maybe are not available where you are right now or that you don't know about and whether that's music or wine or whatever like um hopefully not weird um anti-hillary clinton pedophile conspiracies uh but you know it allows you the i think it gives you more opportunity to discover versus not definitely but it it, it gives it gives us the opportunity to kind of look to other parts of the world for inspiration you know like like you know what are what are these restaurants or importers up to in london or like you know what are, like what are people doing in tokyo like and and i th- i think i don't know i, I just think I th- it's an it's an important cross-pollination that 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 it that it provides anyways check out this is delicious at well, eric is, robert long this is delicious um this is incredible the, i have a question or go on yeah, I was just I was I was really kind of touched by his like spontaneous generosity and and his sort of like recognition of like what I'm trying to do and you know he he reached out in a very human way. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's Well, it's also it's interesting too because I um I know that you know like Chris Scruggs uh who does the Zappa wines. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a very similar Definitely. situation where like people are using apples from New England with grapes and making. Um, I had this long talk with Krista about whether or not those should be called like hybrid wines or what those should be called, um, because they're really fucking delicious, but they're not. They're apples and wines. Yeah, a lot like the cider. But like I think hers are more wine than cider. I think it's like wine with apples, where maybe this is like apples with some wine. I don't know. I don't know the exact specifics on all the things, but I do know that this. But is it's increasingly it's an no, it's becoming a thing. Popular, yeah, it's becoming a thing. It's it's becoming also a very delicious thing. Like I am all for it. Like I'm very very into it. Um, but I'd be curious to talk to some of these producers and see you know what what inspires them to. To do it to bring the two together, you know, whether it's like, whether it's a process of 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 making something out of you know the leftovers of winemaking, or or if it's just like an interest in making a cider that is more vinous and and wine like. I have a crazy idea. Does it make it more terroir driven? 
Like in some crazy idea, like if you it have might. if you have like a polycultural product, does that not like? Well, I, I would say I would say if the if the grapes and the apples came from like the, the exact same site, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. That'd Doesn't really that make cool. sort of like a like? Well, a, no, that like is a, terroir. Like a, like a better blueprint of what the because the it's terroir a be- is. it's actually like a fuller picture of what yeah. terroir is because terroir is just not grapes. It's it's everything that is a part of the land. So yeah. That's a cool thought. On that note, I got to say goodbye. I guess we got to say goodbye. Yeah. yeah, it's time to head home. I got to go. I got to go. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, absolutely. No, it's a pleasure. Um, um, huge thank you to Quinn Kimsey White for being our oh, first. Oh, yeah, and uh, I, I assume I would, I would like to have you back on, actually. I don't know. Anytime. Let's not make this a one-time thing. I don't want this to be a, a, a one-pod stand. I'm like, so we're getting rid of Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> we're bringing in Quinn. You know what this podcast needs? Another white guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like we can do, like, yeah, come back. You're, come back. you're our first guest. We can, Please, I know. love that. All yeah. Right. Psychic opens. You get what is it? What'd you say? Fifteen years. That's when everybody should check you out. Fifteen years. We'll yeah. be ready to go. Yeah, come see us. Next, yeah. we need to have Josh on here to bring in one of your wines. Yeah, he can be like, I pillaged this from Quinn's uh, <laughs> collection. Yeah, I deserve it. It's Opus <laughs> Two. Not everybody knows about this Opus Two. <laughs> um. So, uh, goodbye. Yeah. Bye. This. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Perfect. Thank you, Josh.